0: Hey everyone, um, we're here with Courtney and Marquesha again for another podcast episode, and this time we're going to not give you tips. Well, there might be some tips in there. There probably will be tips in there because we can't help it. But we're just going to get a little bit more personal here today and talk about all—not um, all, all things—because we'll probably have a part two, three, four, five, six, seven on. Um, how we felt and how we handled our kids um, when they got diagnosed with their disabilities. Hey, Courtney.
1: Hey, (laughs) yeah, this is an important topic and one that I think some of us deal with very privately and maybe even a little bit lonely, like we don't necessarily, I don't remember talking about it um, with my daughter as much as I had more support with my son and the differences in those two journeys Pretty much night and day, right. and i can to tell you, the second one was a lot better. It it was a lot less um, emotionally draining, and I didn't feel as alone. So I definitely want that for our listeners more than what I experienced <laughs> originally with my daughter. Right
0: now, tell us for the for any new listeners, you have three kids. Yes, and their ages are so. Tell us about your your babies.
1: Okay, Hannah's 18, Lily's 16, and um, my youngest, Evan, he's 10. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a gap there (laughs) at the end, but he's our caboose. Um, Yeah, and my oldest, Hannah, I actually found out um, that there was some complications during my eighth month of pregnancy. Um, They didn't really know what was going on, but there were some markers there. I just remember feeling devastated. I I just think that there's what you think your motherhood journey and being pregnant is going to look like. And I just felt like in that moment, it was like derailed and I did not have a really clear path to getting back to being okay. Like I felt really um, unsure like what her birth was going to look like. And, And it was not, in the "What to Expect When Expecting" book, um, book <laughs> needs to be revised. <laughs> it was uh, it was traumatizing her, you know. Her her birth um, ended ended with an emergency C section after uh, thirty five hours of labor, three hours of pushing. It was yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was not good. Um, my, my friends were like, I can't believe you had two more kids. I was like, I'm a believer that things can get better. They can go better
0: next time. I know you probably won't want to hear this, but I, all three of my labors and, you know, my, my last, my caboose was adopted. So I do have four kids, but I birthed three of them did not even equal or a 12, six, 12 out 44 hours apiece. So you you reached that with one, with hand. Yeah, I went
1: through three shift changes, something like that, three <laughs> or four shift changes of nurses. Ooh. And the last nurse was like, I'm Ooh. not leaving until this baby's here. Like she refused, um, she refused to leave me. And I, I just always remember her kindness because when I went to have an emergency C-section, she was supposed to be getting off. She's like, no, I'm not giving this mom a brand new nurse coming right. into shift, you know, and she's already been through- like so much oh, in the last God. you know
0: 34 Wait, hours you a whole birth birth stories <laughs> one. I am I am traumatized by 34, 35 hours with, with for one child I don't know
1: yeah, yeah we were in the hospital um almost a week and she was on the little NICU on the Billy Rubin lights mm-hmm. and um so yeah, it was just a lot happening and then, So she wasn't born. They thought she was going to be born with Down syndrome. My daughter doesn't have Down syndrome. Um, And so really we were sent home with, Oh, I guess we were wrong. She just, she just kind of has a larger head Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: everything's good. So that's how I was sent home. So
0: like,
1: go home and then things aren't going the way they should really. And she's not developing her milestones. And so I kept saying, what's going on? You know, she's, she's not putting her feet on the ground. She right. can't hold her bottle. You know, she's having trouble um, sucking on her bottle. Like, you know what? Oh, you know, you're just a first time mom. You just need to relax. I heard that a lot. Right. Just needed to relax and every kid develops on a different time frame. and really minimizing my concerns. Right. So um, she was about a year old, just after her first birthday, I finally was like, something isn't right and not in the sense of something's wrong with my child, but just that she wasn't where other kids her age were. And I just didn't know how to help her. And I was feeling really alone in that and like, Hey, how do I help her? She's not crawling. She's not sitting up. Um, really anything that was on the chart. She wasn't at any of them. So finally I got a a referral to the children's hospital, Seattle children's hospital. And, um, finally got the ball rolling. But actually who helped me finally, I forgot about this part, was Head Start. Is it in, you know Head Start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working at Head Start and my mom brought Hannah in for a lunch break because of course as a new mom, I always wanted to right. <laughs> snuggle her as much as possible. Right. My mom brought her in and it was actually when they left uh, her name was Rosa. Rosa said, Oh, what early intervention services is your daughter getting, mm. you know, for her delays? And I burst into tears and I was like, Zero, because other than me, you were the only person who really believed in me like something's going on. And so uh, Rosa got to work. She she got me all set up, and the um the came over and they're like, Oh, they probably, nothing's gonna happen. You have to have so many deviations from the norm, so many points, and it's it's really hard at her age to get all the points. And then when the lady was done, she's like, well, in your case, actually, right. she has enough points. So, um, and that was the first introduction to being like, points, right. deviation from the norm, like all these words I'd never heard of right. in my life. Um, it
0: wasn't in the book. to expect when you're expecting book. No, that
1: chapter was also missing.
0: (laughs) That chapter is missing. Wasn't there. Wow. I want to um, go back to something that you said, which was, where was your pediatrician now?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. My mom, my mom. hmm. So I don't know if I would call it a mistake. Uninformed. I didn't have a pediatrician or an OBG, I went to a family practice. And technically, they can oversee your, your pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I do regret that because she couldn't even do my emergency C-section when the time came. She wasn't licensed, you know, to do that or had privileges. So we had to call in whoever was on call Mm -hmm. to come and rescue me. And then I think I was just, again, it really shows, like, the overwhelm. Just stayed with the same lady because I, like, I at least knew her whatever. And that's when I was, like, after Rosa told me, like, no, girl, like, you, you should be getting these services. Then I went and found a pediatrician and got started with that. And that's when really when the ball started rolling with early intervention and all of that. And I know we talked about. You know, really wanting to support families with that because yeah. it was completely overwhelming. My first baby, a new mom, all the the normal postpartum and all that. But on top of that, I was trying to navigate all these systems of care that I'd never heard of before. And nobody was really coaching my husband and I. No one was really saying, This is, you know, here in Arizona, I live in a different state now. Like, we have a whole system here, and if they had that in Washington, nobody in my circle was telling me about it. So here, they have a whole system of like you would go home and you would have like a case manager helping you. I didn't have that. I was just like whatever Courtney could find.
0: Wow, I got <laughs> that's the same as uh, Jen, which we'll have her on the podcast too. Her son's 18 too, and just the the services that we have. Now she just navigated it her own way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can do it, it's just a lot harder. I mean, when you have a parent coach or somebody who's gone before you and really knows the ins and outs of qualifying for things, what steps to take, um, and we were gonna get into that, like my son's diagnosis was night and day compared to everything I went through with my daughter because, a, I knew the systems of care in my state now because of her and going through it. But two, um, my friends and my support system and the network I have now. When he got his diagnosis, I was. It was more like confirmation of something that I could. I just needed a name for it to open the doors of services. I needed diagnosis, but I kind of already knew what the diagnosis was. Okay. I just needed it confirmed so that I could open the doors of services for him. But I never felt hopeless or it was more like, okay, now I have this. This is what I need to do next. And it's not that his road is perfect, but I know lots of different people who have autism. And I know um, on Instagram, I'm following different therapists that are showing a different way to think about it and, and how to support them. And so I was just filled with hope of I can, I can be – the kind of mom he needs and I can help him get access to these services versus my daughter. I felt, um, I literally felt like I was failing her. It makes me cry because I felt like I was trying my hardest. I was yes. like, we, we spent so much money. I call her my million dollar baby because we spent <laughs> so much money having her. And so I was medical bills. No one, no one helped me say, Hey, you, you could apply for grants or right. you could do this. So I was, Buried under medical debt without anybody helping me understand that there was grants and services out there for that. Um, Just lonely, overwhelmed, and just feeling like every night when I went to bed, I just distinctly remember, you know, Craig would hold me almost every night and I would just cry because it was like another day of struggle, another day of no answers, you know? And so if that's you, like, I just, I'm here for you. Like, we're here for you because it's a real feeling and- until you get grounded with some services and some support and help, that's the feeling that you have because you know, there's something out there that could be helping your kid, but you don't really know what it is, but you just, in your heart, you know that there's like, if they could get speech therapy, not that it would fix them, but it would like support them with this. While we help the parent and the child navigate that, um, But I do want to share, like, when Hannah started PT, I remember telling her physical therapist, I am so excited we're here. Hannah's going to be walking by Christmas. And I was just, I knew it. Mm -hmm. And, okay, Hannah's 18. Mm -hmm. Hannah does not walk independently. So Hannah walking by Christmas? Okay. Um, But And I remember months and months later after Christmas had passed, I finally said to her physical therapist, why didn't you tell me that I was (laughs) wrong? (laughs) That was not going to happen. And uh, she was like, in my experience, you have to come, you have to come to your own realization because if I tell you, you're going to say, you just don't, you just don't, you don't believe in my kid. Like this Mm -hmm. is what they can do. But physical therapy has helped Hannah in numerous ways. But my mindset at that time was, okay, we're going to get this and it's going to make everything better. And I think a lot of families can relate to this kind of, I call it a misconception because we want so badly for our child to be able to go into the world and, and have the skills they need and be accepted right this deep desire for them to not struggle yeah (laughs) and that's why our hope is like kind of hung on this therapy or this is going to really help them in it well but i think if if i could give you know we said no tips but here we are Um, a mindset tip would be be open to the process and notice um, one thing that Hannah's really taught me is to look at all the little things within the bigger goal that she, that she has hit and the things she can do today that she couldn't do um, back then. I'm so grateful Hannah can sit up independently. She can, she scoots around the house. I, I've done it to try it out. It's a full body workout, This body
0: I only imagine.
1: Yeah, scooting with your bottom and using your hands to kind of balance you. And she gets from A to B like that. And then she learned to crawl at eight. She crawled um, in her classroom. Her teacher knew what that meant to me. She called me up. She was crying. I was crying. Hannah crawled over to the mat. Okay. She, just, she just did it. We worked on it for years. And then one day Hannah's like, I'm going to crawl
0: yeah. today. She I'm just crawled across them. the room. What will I what will make them let me show them what I can do today? Yeah. So I call that all the things that
1: our kids are learning. And right. it just there is no timeline for them to, you know, demonstrate the ability sometimes. And so yeah, we worked on balancing, you know, tall kneeling, all these things in PT for years and then one day she put it all together. She put the pieces together and she crawled and she she still crawls when she feels like it, but her mom, her main method is scooting, but when she's out of her wheelchair, but it was like, all of that was just lonely, all of that, Uh, navigating um, doctor's appointments, diagnoses, um, because Hannah, has a main diagnosis, but then she had a lot of other diagnoses, And then this past year, we actually found out she has a rare genetic um, disorder. And so it was kind of like re-diagnosis day for me um, this past year. And it was, it shook me. I was like, oh, I thought I was, I got this, you know, Mm -hmm. but hearing that um, and knowing that it was going to cause her more struggles was really, really hard on me emotionally.
0: Yeah, it's, We want parents out there to know that it it is hard, and and I know there's a lot of um, I don't know chatter in the um but on the internets. Yeah. About you know fixing and and I don't feel like um, like when you feel like hopeless or things like that, it's not. That you're not do you feel like that against about your child but you just think of the struggles that they have you want to protect them think yeah the mom's instinct is to protect and you want these skills right to be like they i can't protect them if they don't have these you know these skills yeah so someone comes to you and is like hey your child's diagnosed and they need all these things and you're like yes give me all the you know give me all the things And um, I like that you use the example like, yeah, she's going to walk before Christmas, you know, because you're still like, well, she's going to need those things to play on the playground to, you know, talk to their friends and all those things, but um, that they let you come into your own reality of what, um, what her disability, you know, what her disability is. And I think all parents need to know that it's okay to go through those different stages and it doesn't necessarily mean, or doesn't mean that you don't love your your kid and that you want to change who they were and and all those, you know, different narratives that are out there. I think that, you know, you just want what's best for them. And you start to think, and and we know now the reality of some of the things that um, Evan's experienced in Josiah is that there's... And, and there's not some, there's some people that just aren't nice out there. Right. And I still get choked up when I think about what happened to him last year, because I was like, he, even though we try to teach him the skill set that he needs to stand up to somebody who's bullying him, he still doesn't do that. And that just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just... Oh, man, if I, I, would, I don't want him to be in that situation anymore. So it does make me like, if I could better help him understand that, you know, the concept of yeah. when someone's being me, I would, because I don't want him to get beat up in the bathroom. You know, I don't want him to be picked on. Now I'm getting choked up. I don't yeah. I, It's all
1: these things that are going through every parent's mind when they're getting this diagnosis is that kind of overwhelm of all the multiple things that need to be put in place and also finding balance in that. That's something that took me a little longer than I would have liked to find the balance between all the things that are available and what is actually humanly possible to do in a given week. and knowing that I could pause therapy or say, you know, this is a lot for us right now. We're going to focus on communication. Not that PT is not important, but I working full time, trying to get her to appointments, managing all of that. Plus doctor's appointments. It was just like exhausting. And so, you know, Most my husband had to really good. help me. Go. It has been- yeah. They had to come in and be like, <laughs>
0: husband and you have they have their the other kids came Yep, came trying to manage
1: all of it and so i want parents still that it's okay to to have the recommendations and have that available and really take your time in figuring out okay what can our family do right right now in this season doesn't mean right. this is what's going to be there forever but in this season, right? When when Lily came pretty close right after Hannah, um, they're two years, two weeks apart, so it was very close. Um, what can I do in this season? You know, I'm gonna need to be I needed therapists that were welcoming of Lily. You know, I had to let some go that really wanted me and Hannah. And I was like, Well, I'm home with my other baby too, so we need to incorporate her. So I always joke that Lily got early intervention and that's why she's such a super reader is she got <laughs> right. all these early interventions alongside her sister. And she learned to sign and she was signing before she talked um, because that's what was being modeled around her. And so I needed in-home services so that I could accommodate nap schedule, right. Of, of her sister and to have taking the two of them out with the wheelchair and a, a toddler and newborn was really, challenging. And so sometimes I had to say no, because I was yeah. like, There's no way I can do a one o'clock right. therapy appointment in this season of my life right now with this other baby. So that's okay too.
0: It is okay. And and we have, and I know you, um, when you're working with families too and, and me also, they're, they are doing all the things and they're missing the nap time. And then everyone's stressed out, the siblings crying, and you're trying to do the therapy and you're trying to get here. And that just doesn't work out for, Or 481.
1: Yeah, long term. You know, you can do anything short term, but really think about that. A year long of this therapy session, this therapy time, is that going to work for me? And sometimes, and I've said this to families, and they've said, You're a wonderful therapist, but you're just not a good fit for our kid. That's okay. okay. My therapy time doesn't have to work for every family, and I might not be the the right therapist for every child. And that's okay. And the nicest thing that a mom ever did to me was just call me and said, I've seen you the last six weeks. You've been really trying, but my son is not warming up to you. And I wanted to let you know personally that it wasn't personal. It's just, he's not warming up to you. And I don't want to, you know, essentially waste this therapy time, this money we're investing in this service if it's, if it's not the right fit, but I wanted to let you know it wasn't personal and that really helped me out. Cause obviously I want, I, I take things personally, you know, but, um, so, but her calling me and letting me know that really helped me know, like, this was just the best decision for her family, and then it really had nothing to do with me. It was just wasn't the right fit for him, and so we we parted ways. And they went on to try to find a different speech therapist that was
0: maybe a better fit for him.
1: That happens too.
0: Yeah, it does happen. I we went through a few here when we well, started. You to
1: talk about. Yeah. Um, I know you had like a certain amount of intervention that they wanted your son to go to. And I know that's something that um, certain kind of uh, therapy intervention, and it can be like 20 to 40 hours a week. How did you, are you willing to talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you navigate that when that was like what a a recommendation, uh, something he qualified
0: for? Right. And it was different because he was in foster care when he, um, got diagnosed. So when those things come, they're like, I don't want to say court mandated, but we have to. It was just a whole hoop hoops to jump through because we did not have parental rights when he moved in. He came in in foster care. Seems so long ago, um, because now he's just like, like like a birth like a birth stem. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of hoops as a foster parent to get the the things that he needed um, because I didn't have the parental rights. So things would have to go through um, a recommendation. Like I would be concerned, take the pediatrician, the pediatrician had to get, you know, orders from them, take it to his social worker. The social worker would have to take it to the judge. Um, and the judge did approved because he was essentially a ward of the state. And so they had made all the decisions for him. We worked on that, getting that uh, changed right away because we already knew that something else was going on. He wasn't speaking. Um, lots of things. Um, he was lining up stuff. That's really what we noticed. But me and, my, me and Dre are both special education teachers. So sometimes we're like, are we seeing this? Are we just not, you know, or or is it just because we are in the field that we sometimes are more sensitive to to something? To noticing it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they gave us the list of all all the things, and we looked, and we had the three older kids, and we were like, I don't even understand how that would even work, you know, work out in a working in real life. family. We, <laughs> Colorado, so we are both working. Uh, at the time, you know, we expensive out here in California. So we're like, well, we we'll both work and then the kids have sports afterwards and then like hours of you know therapy in the house. We're not even home. We um did do early intervention because we we had to for foster care system up. once we officially adopted then we opted out of that because it wasn't working and It was a lot on him too, like the transition of him. um, And we don't know the trauma because he wasn't speaking um, and he still doesn't, but it's there, you know, in your body when you've experienced um, things It's still in your body, Um, Mm -hmm. he's not able to express it. um, And it was hard to take him to the therapy that many times, (laughs) you know, (laughs) a week. Um, And he would cry and he would have meltdowns and I'm pretty patient. Person. Um, That's what people, I'm not saying that about myself. That's what people say. But I was even like, this isn't working for either one. I'm super frustrated, which makes me less patient with him. He's already frustrated because he's, you know, time to stop, you know, having fun and maybe some more natural play, which is what we chose to work on here, like more natural situations than just therapy situations for him. And I was like, this is miserable. He's miserable. I'm miserable. It was far. That's another thing, parents, we want you to understand that we understand is that therapies are not around the corner. Like his OT was one way and his speech therapy was another way. And then you have to fit in because I know you guys all have been on wait list and you have to fit in where the appointment times are, right? So it'll be like the middle of California, the traffic out here will be enough to make you want to be like, forget it. I want to stay home. Like we look at things be like, we want to go out here, but, oh yeah, not that time. Not, <laughs> not that way. the freeway at that time. So, there yeah, like so it's story. more than just
1: the therapy yeah. time. It's the, it's the drive time. The drive it's time. the, um so what potentially, am I doing? Time? <laughs> yeah. Uh Family time after, like you said, like in the evening. So like, if, you know, a, for instance, just from our house to Children's Hospital, when we're talking about, it's like, in good time, it's 45 minutes. If there's any sort of traffic, not good time of day, we're talking, you know, hour and a half. And so then, you know, you're there and then however long the appointment, are they on time? It can like that alone can take up your whole um, your whole afternoon or whatever. And so it's, it's balancing that. And um, that's why I'm really passionate about helping families navigate the school system and, balancing what therapies can they get there and what supports can they get there? Yeah. And then what, which ones fit best for home. But I think um, for a lot of people experiencing like a new diagnosis, there's this, like, like I was talking about like this fear of like messing it up or if I say no to this, yes. I always kind of felt like if I say no, could I hurt her chances? Like literally we were working on any sort of communication sign language communication device anything that she could communicate with us we were working on crawling walking balancing like big big skills that you would want your child to be able to have so I was always so worried like if I if I didn't do this yes. you know would I feel guilty about not giving her that time and space to go um, work on that but like you said there was you know Craig's always my they 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 nickname him at school um, Easy Breezy Burnett because he's always full and collected. He's my, you know, opposite, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely here. That's the case. And so he had to sit me down and be like, you are stressed out you I was running home programs so we would go to therapy they write the home programs mm-hmm. I was doing those till bedtime mm-hmm. then I was prepping for the next day I just got chills remembering like what kind of non I, I call it nonsense not like it making in like light of it but it right. was not sustainable that's the whole point I'm trying to make of trying to balance doing the home program taking them to therapy going to school and then not discounting Family time, fun, and that's what Craig was trying to help me. He's like, I feel like you're you're missing out on just having fun with her because yeah. you got her schedule so full of yeah. all the things. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, I mean, he had to work with me to get me to to, to you know roll roll back a little bit um, to a more sustainable level because. I, I had our schedule so packed. So I'm always grateful for his um, his words of wisdom and his, I call it his bravery because when I, I can be really stubborn. So if I got my mind set on something, I, I call it, he has to be bra- He's brave enough to say, okay, babe, I just want you to think, I just wonder like, what about, and then he'll bravely like give his and so I pushed back at first, but I'm so glad he did because um, it wasn't sustainable and she still has made wonderful progress and done these things um, without me staying up till midnight, right. you know, doing all the things. Cause I was like prepping visuals. I was, um, cause I wouldn't do anything that I needed to do. Cause I was running home program and taking care of her. So then when she would go to bed, then I would actually do like, Laundry, just <laughs> anything I needed to do.
0: So it wasn't sustainable. Yeah, I, and I totally agree. We we looked at it after he turned three, maybe three and a half, and we're like, and yeah, we we're, we're not gonna do this. Anymore. There's just there, we we just can't. And I understand. And I think that because we had the, the different skill sets since we were both in, yeah, you know, I was in early childhood in special education, so I was like, I. I think I got this. Um we're we're going to figure it out. We're going to work it out on the baseball field while we're at, at practice. Um doing things just more play-based and um just I like that you keep saying family time. You know that's super important um to to me. And now that it, and you you have teenagers too, it really goes I know people say like it goes by so fast. Does. Um, it's but true. having a 19-year-old and a seven-year-old, like the things that I even did with um Taylor, all the things I stressed out about, and you just don't have to have a child with a disability to stress out about what the what's going on. Like she was our first and I was like mapping out her school. Like she's going to go to this preschool, then to this kindergarten, then to this, you know, just, and, and now with Josiah I'd be like, sure, have a Popsicle. It's going to be okay. Because one day you're going to, you know, go off and, and live your live your own life. And we're not going to be having these little moments of, right. um, and I know all the parents out there, you know, the little moments that you have, like maybe just you and um, a, a kid, if you have more than one, have like a certain look or a giggle or all those little things um, are just as important in, in building um, connection and relationship and Neurons, if you know, get into the brain science of, of learning um, new new skills, those things right. are just as important in, in, my, in my opinion, for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the other thing is, and I'm really excited to hear and be around a lot of professionals, at least I didn't hear it back then, that really um, helping parents know like, you can do this at home. And I, for a long time, I really felt like, okay, this is what they're doing here because they're the professional. And I don't even know if I should try to do that at home because I'm, I'm mom and I don't want to mess up like what they're doing. So I really am excited to see and hear on Instagram and all these different um, therapists saying, this is what you can do at home. And it's better to try, like, you're not going to mess up, you know, as far as like, if you're consistently trying and growing with it, you are that's what your kid needs, you know, is th- that carryover at home and, right. and learning how to communicate, like you said, in real life and real life situations, on the go situations. And so I'm really excited about, uh, I feel like it's a movement of really helping parents feel confident and capable um, because you already feel insecure enough just becoming a parent and trying to like do all the things. So I really love hearing people Um, really being that voice and encouraging parents like you can do this at home and you can play games this way. And, um, I know I could have, I could have used those words of wisdom, you know, back then. So we just wanted to share with you like a little bit, um, about our lives and what we've gone through that led us here wanting to do a podcast really is about connecting with families and, um, offering that perspective of where we are now versus like being in the trenches of the moment um, of a new diagnosis and finding your footing and figuring out your way with that. And it does take time, but it will come together. And the fact that any parent out there is making daily efforts to be the best parent. That's what your kid needs. You're, you're making the doctor's appointments. You're trying, you're listening and you're connecting and, with your child, that's being a good mom. That's being a good parent. Um, that's something that I, I really want to get across to them that yeah. you are enough right now um, with what you're doing. And I know there's a lot of pressures and just feeling like I'm not doing enough,
0: but you are yeah. like, absolutely. right in this moment. You are so. absolutely, That's good. Courtney. That is good. Good, good stuff. I get, I'm, I, I, I guess I'm going to stick to stick to the tips because I get so emotional thinking about it. Jos- Josiah is seven and a half because he's like my ma- My birthday is coming. and yeah, October, i are always counting count, down yeah. eight. So let me say seven and a half. But like you said, like just remembering when when he was he was two and a half when he came and he had so many just so many things just from foster, from coming from foster care and then. Having the different diagnoses. I mean, he's been through a lot of things in his um yeah, <laughs> in his in the seven, seven years. years. Yeah. <laughs> in the seven years. So when we see him um like run, for example, it's just we were like, remember when like he wouldn't even use, he had to use OT. Um, he had OT to he didn't like recognize that he had like a like its thumb and mm-hmm. like his whole. Body. So he would just run with one arm like this whole. He was. It wasn't that it was immobile. He just like didn't. They had to teach him out. Yeah, it's it. like crossing midline
1: for a lot of kids. Yeah. Like, you know, So he would just
0: can use this hand to cross over. Yeah. Thumb, he would, so that would keep. So even feeding himself. Yeah. Because he wouldn't use. It, oh, I don't know. Can you see my thumb? He yeah. Because I, I need to do it. Because I'm a preschool teacher, so I need to show you. Yeah, we need the visual. i Courtney. <laughs> This is his thumb everybody um like his thumb like he just wouldn't and they had to like put tape like all the cool things that they do yeah engage you know, it. Like, right. you know now he's scooping ice cream like a old pro and we're like wow all those um like you said all those little things that led up to you know
1: yeah and just taking that that gratitude really and um and recognizing, I think that's helpful too. Like, okay, he might still have things he's working on, but let's not forget like, he can scoop ice cream. He can run and engage both arms. My yeah. daughter can crawl across the floor. She can yes. get on, she can get off the couch without falling on her head. Like, these are things that she has because of therapy and carryover at home that she didn't have before. And so, when you can recognize those moments and really give thanks and, and appreciate that. It just makes them sweeter um, when the next kind of breakthrough happens and they uh, gain a new skill or learn, you know, how to use something that's helpful for them. Um, yeah. That just brings you so much joy. I know.
0: So we want you guys to know that we are, I don't know, we have these titles and these, uh, a, um, what are these letters up under our names and things like that. However, we have been... Um, where you, where a lot of you guys are. And um, that's where our heart is, is um, to let you know that some days we we cry. (laughs) Some days we, some days we laugh. Um, And we have been through a lot of the same things and we just want you to feel like you are able to take care of your child and you guys are able to have your family culture, um, Mm -hmm. you know, without, I don't know. I don't want to say outside influences, but that you're making the decisions that yeah. you'll be able to make, that you're empowered to make the decisions that's best for your family. And that might be look different than um, somebody else's, but that you're right. able to have the information that you need to make the decisions. That's going to have you guys, you know, live Feel as Feel confident in it.
1: You know, like you're, I think that's the main thing is you are going to have a lot of different Um, professionals or whatever giving you input but at the end of the day what's most important is the parents take that information back and are able to say that's really great information but here's what we feel is best for our kid in in this season at this time doesn't mean you're not gonna take some of their advice down the road for other things but just realizing because my husband's always said this each professional is focused on their you know like ot is mostly focused on ot and um, neurology is giving you information on neurology but what was happening was they weren't looking at like i call all the other subjects but like if you give me this assignment and come in every three months and then this doctor's telling me to come in that leaves me with um 13 appointments you know what i mean and so having to say like is that necessary? Because I feel like we're pretty stable right now. Could we push that out to a year? And if anything changes, I'll just give you a call. Right, when right. I started checking out that sentence, my life changed because they're like, oh yeah, I think that's fine. We're good. She's stable. And so I was. that's one of the ways I decreased my um, pressure on me of all these things is my husband was saying like, well, she's pretty good here. Like we're not having consistent issues. So why are we going in every three to six months? Like, could we do a yearly appointment? And so that's how I started talking to the doctors and, and really letting my voice be like, this is a lot on us. Like what can we do here? But I want other parents to know that sooner than later, like yes. ask questions and, and really know, like, is this a hundred percent necessary right now? Because I also have seven other um, specialists in my daughter's case, like that I'm working with and that are giving it, you know, labs and MRIs and scans and stuff. And so I had to help them understand what was on my plate and what was on her plate too, of um, appointment after appointment, you know? So yeah, I want to don't want to keep going on because I could talk about it forever, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's so important. Um, that's one of our missions with the IEP Live and the, uh, some of the other things we got coming down the um, pike here is helping families feel supported and helping them see big picture all the different systems of care and support and helping them navigate that um, while filling in the driver's seat and knowing okay. that they can they can pass
0: on Absolutely. some of the things. <laughs> it's on some of the things. It's okay. And like Courtney keep keeps saying, and I love is that it's in the season. So yep. you can always pick it back up or you know, even if you feel like you made a mistake, um, we're, we're all going to make, but let's just put it out there. We're parents, yeah. we're going to make mistakes. Um, your kids are going to talk about you in therapy um, one day, one of them, especially if you have more than one. So one of the kids, one of my four kids is going to be like, there's something... I did not like when she made me those Pinterest pancakes. And I'm going to feel very offended when they do that. (laughs) But I'm going to have to say, you know what? Good. I did not know that you didn't like my Pinterest pancakes. And you know what? I won't make them for you anymore. I'll I'll ask you next time. All you can do is make a different decision, right? You can't just wallow in it um, because we're going to make mistakes as parents. Yeah. Uh, there are no books, there's tons of books, but there's not a book that's written for about your family and your child. So that means that there's going to be mistakes, but as long as you can know that there's other options, like I chose the wrong therapist, you can, you can choose another one. I chose the wrong school. You can research and find, you know, whatever that is. You can adjust. You
1: You can adjust. Yeah. And I think that's empowering too. Like, you know, um, just knowing that, that you can say, this isn't working. I'm going to evaluate that and I'm going to adjust going forward. Um, but I like that just saying, you can, uh, you can say, I, I didn't know that, but here's what we're going to do going forward. Um, that's valuable to our kids to know too. You know, that's why I always admit, you know, we sh- will have a coaching one for parent. And then when I went through the parent coaching with you, but that is so helpful just to learn to say, you know, I, I made a mistake and model that for our kids. It really helps them know that it's safe to make some mistakes, which they are going to make mistakes just like we do. We're all human. Right. But modeling that is empowering for our kids to know that mom made a mistake and she she made adjustments and now it's better. Yeah. I can make a mistake. I can make adjustments and it will be okay too. That's, that's something I want my kids to know that's possible Absolutely. for them. For Absolutely. sure.
0: <sighs> well... If you guys are seeing this, i sorry, I look a mess with my hoodie on. I'm getting over, getting it over the well there. And Courtney has a new mic. Yeah, I got a new
1: mic because I, I listened to my own podcast and I was like, our tone are not matching up here. It sounded like I was yelling at our, our listeners. So I'm really
0: excited about my mic. I think it's helping a lot. I think this I love will it. be better. So Courtney's all the way right. And I'm now... I don't have a mic issue, but I have a—I don't know. You're just getting issue. over something, you a know. Today, but you know what? That's that's real life. <laughs> yeah, she showed up even when when she wasn't
1: feeling like gorgeous. She still showed up and was like, we "We're going to get this podcast done for for our listeners this our week,
0: listeners.
1: no matter so, what."
0: Right. No matter what. So, on that note, guys, we're going to um, end this podcast, and we'll be back with you in two two weeks weeks. (laughs) yeah every two weeks we'll see you have a good day